Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And welcome to Musical to Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater, kind of. But in honor of the Phantom of the Opera's closure on Broadway, we are absolutely not talking about the Broadway show Phantom of the Opera, but instead a bunch of things that are kind of Phantom of the Opera, but not really for Phantom May, but kind of in April. And today we are joined by a very special guest, Andrew. Ooh, a special guest? We don't usually get special guests. Usually it's just normal guests. Um, we get guests, and this one's special. Please join me in welcoming a first-timer. some our First on the real show, but they've been on a bonus episode with me before. Um, actress, comedian, director, and all-around kind human being, Amanda Hunt! Oh my gosh, thank you so much for that introduction! A sp- I've never been here. called a special guest in a polite way before. You know, Ooh. like, <laughs> what, wait, 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 wait. What's an impolite way to say that? Like, you know, when somebody thinks they have a plus one and you're with them, and then all of a sudden it's like they didn't have a plus one. That's oh, a, looks oh, like you got oh, a, I special see you a special guest. Oh, great. Okay. We're going to just, we'll get another place setting. Very stressful. <laughs> yeah. Well, you are a special guest in the best version because you hopped out really quick, watched. What might be one of the most interesting or worst things we've ever covered on this show? And <laughs> you did it with a smile. Interesting is a word to use for this. I I uh, I actually had a great time. I've got a lot of thoughts. And I, I don't know. I might ask them if I can do a reboot. Maybe an actual proper stage adaptation. Oh, Wouldn't God. It would be incredible. Before we jump into the movie, are either of you familiar with the musical Phantom of the Country Opera? No, but I have heard of Phantom of the Opry, which is the same premise, just yes. different title. Just different titles. <laughs> I There's a song from Phantom of the Country Opera called Hog Butcher's Daughter. It's meant to be Carlotta's song, um, but it's <laughs> Hog Butcher's. But it's, and it's, I had it in my audition book for years, and I got to tell you, no one ever liked it. Like, it only me. <laughs> <laughs> you want to know a good audition book cheat code? Yeah, always. Um, Disney, our Disney directed DVD sequels where they brought the composer back. You've got like a bunch of unknown Stephen Schwartz and Alan Menken songs that no one sings, but ooh, yeah, that, ooh, and then everybody's happy because everybody likes those guys are pleasing to the ear, right? Right, and everyone's like, "What was that? No one ever sings that." But you're singing <laughs> yeah. just an Alan Menken song. It's just the song from Pocahontas too, a movie that absolutely needed a sequel. <laughs> I mean, it kind of did. Is it Pocahontas 2, Pocahontas' Revenge? Like, <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. That was Pocahontas 1. Much like Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge. Cue the music. <laughs> Don't need no frozen yogurt. Don't want no tissues. Just want a chance to grow up in the same town where I met you. Is there a Phantom in the Mall? Mall Eric's Revenge is a film written by Scott J. Schneid, Tony McElm, and Robert King, directed by Richard Friedman. Based on, you know, guest on LaRue's Family of the Opera, I guess, if you're squinting and also a little brain dead. Um, <laughs> also per- Friday the 13th, probably, and, and Nightmare on Elm Street and all of those series. <laughs> yeah. Um, it premiered out of all places in the world, September 22nd, 1989, in Detroit, Michigan, before its L.A. premiere, December 1st, 1989. No one knows why it premiered in Detroit, 
but we do have record in the Detroit Free Press that it did. The plot of The Phantom of the Mall is a man loses his home and suffers life-threatening burns from a fire deliberately set by commercial real estate developers vying for his property. (laughs) One year later, a shopping mall opens on the land and a series of murders begin. You used me for land development! Wasn't nice. What a what a disappointing logline. Um, a man loses his home. This is a a teenager that I assume was living with his parents. We never yeah. see the parents. <laughs> Not one time do we know if they're alive, dead. We don't know about the parents. We do know the parents were in the house asleep. Eric was yelling for them. Mom, dad. <laughs> and then like nothing. TBD on the parents. Probably dead. Probably dead. I mean, for me, this movie really, the logline really should be teenager refuses to get to seek medical help after terrible tragedy and then instead spins out. <laughs> like Decides he, to become a Batman villain. Where was he hiding before they built them all? Thank you. <laughs> where was he? And what they what did they put in that casket? OK, sorry, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Amanda. I threw this at you last minute, the day before, like literally yesterday, which is becoming a strange new theme with this show. Um, <laughs> but if you could explain to me what happened in the Phantom of the Mall, as well as your history with the Phantom of the Opera and your connection to the story as a whole. Okay, thank you for asking. Um, as a musical theater person, of course, I've always wanted to be in Phantom of the Opera. Uh, I do not have the range. So that's just like a fun fact for me. Which role do you want to play? Carlotta for sure. Ah, I I don't know. I I have the acting range, but I don't have the vocal range. You you could definitely play the Phantom. Come on. I would, God, I'd love to play the Phantom. I would be really fun. But I saw the Phantom of the Opera on tour in Charlotte, North Carolina when I was 13 with my mom. We sat behind the tallest family that I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) So then I saw it again on Broadway years later. And the final phantom of the opera uh, for the show that just closed, Ben Crawford, is someone that I went to college with and knew very well. So that's my history with the phantom. What happens in this movie? Okay, first of all, I kept thinking, when do the voice lessons come in? And that just (laughs) is not a factor of this movie. So that was good. That's good to know if you're going into it. In this movie, a mall opens up in Midwood and it is the biggest deal that's ever been is this town to have like kind of a mediocre mall and everybody's excited. (laughs) As the mall is opening, people are frantically interviewing for jobs because like It all kind of happens at once. You know, you'd think they would have workers trained before the mall opened. That's not the case. No, they do it as the mall opens. Yeah, like truly day of. The mall is opening. They're hiring workers. And a very pretty, very innocent girl whose name is Melody, which I just want to say to the writers, to the screenwriters of this movie, how dare you? Her name is Melody. She uh, gets a job waiting tables, even though she's never had a job waiting tables before. That doesn't come into play, but I was like... She would be a hostess. Um, Her friend gets a job at the uh, clothing store because her friend is taller than her. I think that's why um, they know Polly Shore, who's who I think the yogurt shop was built around. Also, the yogurt shop across the hallway from Swenson's. What are we doing? Plan out your mall better. It's two ice creams to pick right across from each other. What about the really rapey security guards literally watching women change? All of them. Every security guard. I will say, I've been in a lot of women's changing rooms, and I've never I've never been in a changing room where everybody leaves the door open and then takes all of their clothes off, bra included, to try on a normal dress. Like, I have never seen that. Usually, you keep the door closed, and you keep your undergarments on. So, already, we're in a fantasy world for someone. Um, and the security guards have cameras inside the dressing room, and they are amped about it. One is amped and one is like, I don't approve of this, but I'm absolutely not going to stop you in any way. The patriarchy. I think they might have taken all their clothes off because the director told them to because this movie is made for perverts. They signed the nudity waiver, so (laughs) he was going to get it in. There is nip for days in this movie and you do see Polly Shore's ass crack. 
So, yes. you know, the That's everybody gets what they're looking for. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, yes, Title Nine. <laughs> <laughs> so in this movie, um, the mall's about to open. Then all of a sudden, a bunch of people who work behind the scenes at the mall doing like vents and stuff are getting murdered. Security guards are getting mur- murdered. The guy who's in charge of the mall, he is like, oh, no, I have to take care of this. And instead of doing anything good, he just hires his henchmen to do more murdering and the mayor is in on it and we find out that Christine or Melody Melody's boyfriend Eric she thinks he's still alive a 35 year old photographer is really interested in her a high school girl they're in love they're in love she's in love with him he never says it back which is also tough Turns out Eric didn't die in that fire, and actually he is doing murders, and he thinks he and Melody are going to be together in his underground mall lair where he does Nordic track exercises with no weight on the machine. So many kung fu scenes by himself. Is he class? I I was like, the actor who plays Eric is a classically trained dancer. Like, there's no question in my mind. He thought he was doing Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. (laughs) But no, the actor that played uh, Eric would go on to write many episodes of the Power Rangers, which I find absolutely (laughs) fascinating. So I think it tracks for what we saw of him. And if he's just a stuntman trying his best, kudos to him because the makeup is impressive enough. Mm-hmm. Like uh, from someone that it, we will be covering the Dario Argento Phantom of the Opera before this is all over. That is something that you don't always get. The makeup's not a given. Sometimes no. it's shit. Spoilers. The, the actor said, I'm not going to put on any makeup. So they just didn't put a mask on him. He was he just like, I will I actually am gonna be a hot phantom. Yeah, but he also fucks rats. So he's How? gonna be a not hot phantom. He's like the least hot phantom. And trigger warning, he R words Christine. Oh no. Well, that's kind of that seems That's kind that's, of implied in like every version though. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you don't see it. You don't see it though. Ugh. Even Phantom of the Mall colon Eric's Revenge had enough restraint <laughs> to not show that. No, I actually, before we were recording, Amanda, you were talking to me about how, as far as like Phantom adaptations go, we're kind of on Eric's side for most of this. Like, he's doing a lot of murdering, but it's mostly creeps and it's all men for a long time. Like, the this movie doesn't mm-hmm. pass the Bechdel test, even in terms of like murders, but I like <gasps> seeing a pervy security guard get murdered. I felt bad for the guy who was just fixing a vent. It seemed like that was really, that felt like a practice murder to me. Like he was like, mm, <laughs> I need to get one in before I really go on my spree. Mm-hmm. I, he's, I, he, he's only killing these characters. Like usually in a slasher movie, you introduce like the group of wacky teens and then they all get off to one by one. In this one, they're like, here's the wacky teens. Now we're just going to kill everybody else. These characters mm-hmm. live. Random people you absolutely are not emotionally tied to. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what kind of makes you root for Eric in the end is Mm -hmm. because like, hey, the weird guy that was uh, like trying to sexually like assault or like intimidate Melody. Yep. He's getting choked by an escalator. Let's go. It's and that was that was a fun death. He does a lot of like he's creative as hell. And he has a personality. He has a personality on it. Like. The thing is, in a in a different script or and this is my true belief, if they had kept this movie exactly as it is, but made it a musical, it would be perfect. Imagine Ooh. if there were songs where they're like singing and the, like it would be so campy and so silly and over the top. It would be Phantom of the Paradise. Wouldn't that be great? And few things are Phantom of the Paradise, but man, it would be great. Uh, maybe I just wish I were watching Phantom of the Paradise again, you know? That that's actually brings up a question. Who's the Carlotta in Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge? Holly Shore, I guess. I think it's the mayor. But I feel like it's, yeah, the mayor. Oh. I was going to say the mayor. Because she's, she's on the wrong side of history. She has it's Morgan she, Fairchild. It's Morgan Fairchild, so she's, you know, double on the wrong side of history. <laughs> <laughs> I also was like 90% sure it was Morgan Fairchild the whole time and absolutely didn't look it up or stay to watch the credits to make sure. 
So I was like, I think this, <laughs> if this isn't Morgan Fairchild, this actress must have been so upset. Because it's like she could have been famous, you know, but she was. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, she was famous Morgan Fairchild. I think what was great about this movie is that, like, there were almost no stakes. Polly Shore could just leave the yogurt <laughs> stand whenever he wanted. And nobody was like, uh, you're actually you have to work. He could put an ear in a yogurt as a prank. And no, nobody would be like, that's actually you really can't do that. You're hurting our you're hurting our business. <laughs> But they had to do that to pay it off later. When With the eyeball. He doesn't even check the food he's making to make sure there's not an eyeball in it. But, okay, here's my question. What was the ear supposed to be? Were edible ears such a big thing in the 80s that everybody watching was like, yes, of course, famous prank. Obviously, he's got the edible ear. Who doesn't <laughs> yeah. have one of those in their pocket? Ashton Kutcher invented that. Man, on a, I, honestly, I felt underwhelmed by Polly Shore in this. I wanted him to go full Pinocchio. Well, maybe not full. Somewhere between a goofy movie and Pinocchio, that's where I want my Polly Shore. Father, when can I leave to be on my own? I've got the whole world to see. I So I think Polly Shore is like developing his art in this. He's not quite yet the weasel <laughs> that we will come to know and love. He's just... It's uh, true. He's fig- he, so it's like, it's kind of inspiring to be like, wow, you can start out being Polly Shore as Buzz, and you could end up being Polly Shore in Biodome. Like, think about that arc for yourself as an artist. You really can roll down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one time, one time, uh, I was I was recording. Uh, I was at I was at a at a radio place to record a show, and Polly Shore was also there. We're both waiting in the vestibule to be called in, and Polly Shore looked up from his phone every time a woman walked in. Checked her up and down and then looked back at his phone. And so he's still got it. You know, he's still fully, full poly. Photographic <laughs> memory kind of thing. Gives the he's scan. just like, do I find this okay. woman hot? Okay, back to my phone. Oh, am I going to be with her tonight? Oh, probably not. Back to the phone. What about her? Is that your Polly Shore impression? That's how he talks. That's just I thought him. that was Polly Shore. I was like, oh my gosh, he just heard me tell that story about him. Oh no. I didn't like that story you told me about me. <laughs> I had to throw a little nasal in there. I'll get there. You'll get um, there. I, I, I want to talk about the ending here a little bit. Uh, well, so, how, wait, before we do that, we should probably talk about Eric's backstory. What happened to him? Why is he getting revenge? Thus the title. Okay. I mean, th- there's a, a, the mall manager guy who I think owns the mall and whatever. Mm-hmm. He has... This man who wears earrings and will not will not remove them. Don't Very ever important. take that earring will off and not. he does not say why. <laughs> will not remove the earrings, but he paid that guy to burn people's houses down and he very not stealthy about it gets caught. Uh, everyone sees him and he knows that everyone saw him because he says that he's remembered them too. So I, I, I don't know why he didn't like kill them or something like you got paid to commit crimes and you're just going to let uh, witnesses walk away. That guy, that guy Um, looks like a gay Nick Kroll to me, and I think that he has a flair for the dramatic, (laughs) the like the the character, because he he burns Eric's house down because they're like trying to get the mall built, and so they're like, we will at all costs destroy the people who live in this like hundred square, whatever of land, these acres, and uh, and so he burns their houses down, and then waits holding a gasoline can while the entire house lights ablaze. And it's like, get out of there, gay Nick Kroll. Get, <laughs> so you're get still scooting. <laughs> the fire department's coming. You're still yeah. here. You have and a he gas can. dance over Melody being like, I totally did this. And she's like, oh, God. He could have killed her easily. He has no problem killing people. No. No, not at all. Like, it's not like he has an issue with it. No. Like, and... This is a pretty common plot thread, I think, in a lot of uh, media. It's like the the big corporation wants to buy all the land, so they do shady stuff to get the people to sell. That's basically all the plot we really have, because beyond that, it's just the mall gets built, and then Eric kills everybody. And there's a hole the size of the foundation of the mall, which is, what did Eric do between the minutes when his house burned down, and he was very much alive, and the fire department didn't find him? Um, till when the mall was built. Well, he knew the mall was gonna get built. So he ran off and hid in the woods or something. Uh-huh. And then waited, and then when the mall was big enough that he could start hiding in it, 
he like dug a little cave or something and went in there. How long does it take to build a mall? Pretty fucking long time. I, probably like two to three years. The timeline <laughs> for this movie was one year, and I would argue that that's, that's a little fast. I don't think that that mall's not stable. I mean, the land was cleared, at least, since they burnt all the houses down. <laughs> that is true. It, but it's just like he was so barely burned, you know, like he still had use of his entire body. He could have just gone to the hospital. How did he get out of the house? Did he, he must have, did he climb out the window? Right? Maybe he climbed out the window and was like, I'm burnt and ugly, so Melody can't see me. I'm going to go run away or something. That would at least be a character thing. Yeah. And also, like, where's the body positivity movement, you know? He's, (laughs) like, love yourself, Eric. That's the struggle with doing uh, Phantom of the Opera adaptations in the modern day is the body positivity movement. And there's, (laughs) you'd have to be really clever about it because it can't be like, oh, I'm a monster. But also people have burns like that and walk around and live their lives, you know? Eric was like, not me. Not me. I'm under the mall. I'm under the mall. And Melody, you're going to live under the mall with me. <laughs> I'm the but mall But not mole. for a year. And, and here's the ending, okay? This is a slasher movie, and they end it with a bomb? It's like, you don't, like, Jason Voorhees doesn't pull out a gun, you know? Like, it just, it, it goes problems. against the whole genre. It goes against everything. I don't understand why they did this. <laughs> I mean, Eric is different than a traditional slasher because he will strangle you on an escalator he will make your eyes pop out with a forklift. He will stab. He like he is like whatever I got, I'm using. But a bomb though, it's so impersonal. Like the, the slashers, they they get in there and they do wacky kills, but they're always like you know, it's personal. It's mm-hmm. it's between with a bomb, it's so indirect, and I, I, I it doesn't feel right to me to end a, a slasher movie with a bomb threat. I it did it rang a little different to me than they probably intended with when they're like we need to evacuate because of a bomb threat but it's still like upbeat fun music and I'm like that's a real thing like <laughs> nowadays <laughs> a little too close now I I feel like the movie should have ended with like Melody alone going deeper in into the dungeon that Eric has built and it, it's like tense and like you know like the Phantom scary. of the Opera yeah. yes and and. And you know what the 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 photographer who I assume is like Raul or whatever uh mm-hmm. he, he should have died. Yeah, he's a fucking creep too. It doesn't matter that he's handsome. He's like 35. And years and old. Melody and then also like if the if they're even going to do the whole Melody's in love with that photographer guy, Eric should have killed him and then that turns Melody against Eric even more than just oh I don't love you anymore cuz you're ugly. <laughs> I also, like, I would argue she doesn't love him anymore because he gave her, like, a year to get over him. Like, if you're 17 and your boyfriend dies, like, you're like, okay, I guess I need to, like, work on getting over. You know, like, it's not like she's his 95-year-old yeah. widow or something. Like, I yeah, I feel like ridiculous. if he had come to her right away, she would have accepted him as he was. But after a year, you're like, I don't know. Like, I like we've kind of, like, I don't really like orchids as much anymore. Like, I you know, like, I don't have, like, the same interest. It's also kind of weird that you, like, died and then ran away and you're still alive and you, you didn't know, say Eric, anything. I don't love labels. <laughs> and yeah. what really were we? Yeah, right? We... <laughs> We were a couple that had sex one time for sure. And we see that multiple times, multiple yeah. times. They show us a lot of boob. Um, I hope that actress was comfortable, but I would say there's one scene where they show him feeling her up and she's laying corpse like on the bed. And I was like, this is this is tough. This is uh, there are no ladies on I set wish, for this. I would love to think that there was an intimate intimacy coordinator on there but i have a very i i have my doubts yeah Yeah. i mean this premiered in detroit don't you have any connections with this movie i don't i don't i i really wish i did but nah (laughs) i mean as far as you know you something may reveal itself to you in a year let's say you know at the anniversary of this podcast it will just pop up from under somewhere oh like out of a mall like out of a mall is um, is mall culture mall culture was so sacred in the 80s and that they make that very clear also nobody ever calls the police they rely on mall security to do things that are far out of the scope of their job and they rely on the mayor the mall security have guns that which i thought that was so upsetting like that's 
that feels like something now. Like that feels like a headline now, you know? Like, what if Paul Blart had a had a had a gun? <laughs> I was waiting. I was on the edge of my seat waiting for someone to, to do it. Someone has to bring it up. Paul Blart has a gun. Paul Blart Mall Cop Three. Eric Re- Eric's Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> no, that implies it was an accident. He intended this. <laughs> yeah. Um. Before we move on to previews, I do want to do a few like comparisons. I am. Aware of the Gaston LaRue book as well as the Susan K book, where a lot of people tend to pull their their references to family opera from. Um, and I wanted to just take some, you know, scoreboard to figure out what this has that makes it a Phantom of the Opera adaptation proper. Does it have a masked man that hides underneath a thing and stalks a girl? Yes, yes. it does. One point. Does it have, you know, uh, a little bit of a hoity-toity lady that's, like, trying to attention steal and all that? Yes, it does. Mm, Yep. Does it have the other boyfriend and or significant other taking away from the masked man and all that? Yes. Does it have the Punjab lasso? Yes, it does. He does, like, kill some of the Punjab. That was lit- that was the Phantom's M.O. in the book almost <laughs> consistently. So at least they included that. Um, okay. The weird thing is, you brought up the bomb being, like, so inelegant. That's what the fucking th- the threat at the end of the novel is. Christine has really? the choice of turning a grasshopper or a scorpion. And if she turns one of them, she has to live with him forever. And if she turns the other one, she blows up the opera house and they all die. (laughs) It's a real stupid choice. I'm not saying that book's good. The book's kind (laughs) of stupid. But that is kind of where they got the idea of like, well, he's yeah, he's going to blow up them all like. (laughs) <laughs> They're paying homage to the original text. Yeah, they really love French literature. This, They really know what they're doing. It is surprising. Now that you're saying it, like they actually did take a lot from the book, didn't they? Yeah, the, it, it isn't the least faithful adaptation I've ever seen of the source material. Now, did this come out, and I assume it came out after, but this was after the Weber musical? Yes, the same year as the Robert Englund film, 1989. For a little while, everything was Phantom. Yes. I And now we haven't had a Phantom proper film adaptation in 20 years. Is that when that Emmy Rossum movie came out? Yes. Wow. 2004. That was so. pretty, that was a disappointing film, I will say. So as you, as people who are now Phantom experts, I, to me, I, and I, so I'm asking because I, you know, I dabble in Phantom, but I don't, I don't know. I don't travel in the world like you guys do. To me, the parts that make it Phantom of the Opera are that he is some kind of teacher, like that he is like a guardian that she trusts. And I felt like that was missing. And I also, for me, and this is just me being a little monster, there could have been a a chandelier fall at the beginning when when the mall guy is giving his speech. Why didn't we have that? Like, that would have been You're right. <laughs> so fun. That would have been such a fun way to start out the movie. And we just, like, didn't have... This Phantom was much more interested in bloodlust than he was in bringing down the mall. Yeah, individual murders he, was his game. You, 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 you make some good points here. I think it's just that those are issues with the genre, though. Because mm. they're trying to do this 80s teen slasher movie, you know? But I, yeah, they could have done some more dramatic stuff, especially when, I mean, that that opening kill is so lame. Like they could have done something better there. Any have have one person be killed by a chandelier. I'm saying let's have a chandelier fall is my number one critique. But I also I think that the relationship between Eric and Melody is so different than the relationship between a Phantom and a Christine in these stories. I wish he had taught her something or had something to lure her with. I, that would have that would have made it more phantomy to me. You're right. That because really, what is Eric offering her aside from hang out in the mall with me? You you know what though? You want more phantom stuff. I want more mall stuff. You know all of these kills. Like where's the where's the scene where where somebody's lured into the the sports store and is killed with a with with like basketballs or something. Or, or like a, a toy <laughs> wait, wait, store. Let, let's pause. You know, right. How do you murder someone with a basketball? I want to hear your pitch on that. Dude, I, I don't fucking know. You, you hit their head with it and then it just like 
caves it in. You get a you cool effect shot of that. You cram their mouth with an uninflated one, and then you inflate it, and you blow up their head. See, oh, see, Amanda, that's a pitch. <laughs> there's so much you could do. And and what does the setting of the mall actually do besides drive the plot? I don't know. I mean, it has just as much to do with the mall as Chopping Mall, but it is also <laughs> the same mall as Chopping Mall. Is it actually oh, the, wow. same it the same mall? The same mall as God. Chopping Mall. So I like to think they're in the same universe where one year they have a phantom, the next year they have like murder robots. It's like, we just can't catch a fucking break. It's a tough mall. It's a tough mall. I I think, like, as somebody who's making a movie right now and knows that locations can be really expensive, uh-huh. I think they got the mall and then they were like, what can we do with this mall? And they were like, let's slap together a movie as fast as humanly possible and like, I think it started with the mall. They got a deal. And then from there, they were like, we could make it a phantom. Yes. And girls, girls love the mall. Okay. Now we've got topless girls. Great. Check. Like, I think, I think they, the creative process was different for this film. Call up Polly Shore. Let me, t- I'm going to send him a text. <laughs> um, we need Eric's Prevenge, the prequel. I was going to say, I would like to watch a movie where like, one, he acquires all those skills and two, like, let's see their relationship. Let's see them at school. You know, like the skills are interesting. What if he was already a murderer, like before the burns? <laughs> you know, I dabble in murder. Like he's like, I've killed a couple people. Who who exactly knows how to like tie a tie a noose properly and then use an escalator to like? I mean, y- you have to already have some skills to do that. You know. So, Melody, did you also get an erection when you dissected the pigs in science class? Or was, or that, was that just, just me? me? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, Eric, you're so funny. Like that. <laughs> he has like literal like bones in his closet. <laughs> Where was Eric? anyone's parents? <laughs> like Melody's parents didn't mind that she was at Eric's house having sex with him in the middle of the night. At no point did anybody say, hey, gals, let's not walk alone in this dark parking lot. Um, Something bad could happen to you. And then something bad does happen. So stay away from malls. (laughs) I agree. Stay away from malls. Um, Just in general. Have you been to a mall lately? (laughs) There's no fucking malls anymore. Get out of here. (laughs) As as somebody who's moved to L.A., it is primarily malls out here. And it's very jarring because I like in New York, there's one mall. It's and it's in uh, it's in Penn Station. So like you don't go there. And here everything is malls. I'm Ooh. you know, this is a mall. My my apartment. That's that's painful. That's painful. It's tough. Thankfully, all the malls near me have closed. Brag. Um, <laughs> I, I there's like good amount of malls near me. Like if you go 30 minutes in any direction, north, south, like, east, you're going to yeah. hit a mall. You live in the oh, Midwest. Wow. So, I mean, that's just like a hellscape as far as I'm concerned. I remember How? take what? I was going to ask how far you are from the Mall of America. Ooh, I'm a good distance, about 250 oh. miles. Oh, so not, that can't really be part he of has your a, life. He has a different, very large mall near him, I'm sure. I do, I do. I have uh, quite a few, like, I, I got the good ones. Um, the, like, the, the, the Mall of America is just another mall. Like, I, I, I think that people build it up. Just another mall. It's got a theme park inside of it. Come on. I think yeah. that your Minnesota <laughs> listeners are going to absolutely throw a fit at that statement. Oh, am I pissing off the Twin Cities, eh? Oh, uh, that's the sequel. The Phantom moves to a bigger mall. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. I, th- I just, I think there was room to make this a series of terrible movies. Like, it's, <laughs> I, and I, if I got to do a, a, re- a remake of this movie, I would be so happy that I can't think of anything I'd rather do. I mean, that's, I, I can think a, of a lot of things I'd rather do. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> You sure about that? Sure about <laughs> You sure about that? You sure about that? That's why. All right, Jess, we need to find out what the real critics have to say about this. Yeah, who cares what we have to say? It's time to compare our opinions to those of the critics over on letterbox.com. It's time for previews. It's time for previews. It's time for previews. So, here's how the game works. Amanda, you're going up against Andrew. I'm going to read you both real reviews that are on letterbox.com, and you have to tell me, just based on the review alone, whether it's a one-star or a five-star. Andrew, why don't you go first and set the tone? 
Sure. Got a mall problem? M- Mayor Morgan Fairchild is on the job. Knowledgeable about the movie. Maybe a little sarcastic, though. I'm going to give it a five, though. I think they they probably enjoyed it. That is correct. All right. Amanda, you're up next. Great. Okay, great. I'm stretching. Pretty nice titties of them all. <laughs> I don't know if it's a one star or a five star, but I would only write that as a five star. So I have to go five. That was a one. No. <laughs> oh, my God. So I okay. guess somebody hates titties. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean... I don't like the way I mean, we got to the titties in the movie. It was kind of uncomfortable, but... <laughs> Look, I, I'm not a fan of how they were portrayed, and I don't feel like those actresses felt good about them, but if I'm going to focus on that, I'm going to go thumbs up, because I like titties. Letterbox says no. No titties. <laughs> titties bad. All right, Andrew. Every mall has its phantoms, but this one also has Polly Shore. Everything an audience could want. That has to be sarcastic. Who wants fucking Polly Shore? One star. One star. That was a five. Motherfucker. <laughs> These are really hard. These are really hard. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Amanda. Extra crispy. Eric, big mad. His girlfriend doesn't want to live in the mall basement with him after thinking he's been dead for a year. Typical nice guy behavior. <laughs> Extra crispy. <laughs> okay. Whoever wrote that review is funny. Uh-huh. I I guess I'll go I guess I'll go one star. That was a five. <laughs> this is gonna be my origin story to become the phantom of the, my apartment building. <laughs> the mall in your apartment building. Yeah. Extra crispy. Extra crispy is so funny. <laughs> All right, Andrew. Okay, okay. Malls sure were fun. Get the fuck out of here. Who wrote who wrote this? Bullshit. One star. That is correct. Amanda, King Cobra bite penis. <laughs> that's the whole, worry, that's whole, the whole title. Um, that's I the mean, whole like, review. That's an, oh God, once again, I don't, I can only put myself in these people's shoes and say, for me, that's a, no, you know what? For me, it would be a five-star review. I'm going to say that's a one-star review from someone. That was a five. Damn it. <laughs> Trust your instincts, Amanda. Trust your instincts. Sometimes you just have to go with your gut. And then other yeah. times you have to. Punch yourself in the gut and be like, no, you're wrong. I got to stick a cobra in my gut and have it bite it off. Ah! All right, Andrew. I don't need no frozen yogurt. In quotations. Did they ever make the prequel? Somebody else wants a prequel? Okay. I mean, if you want a prequel, you must like it, right? I mean, this is justification. Five stars. That is correct. All right, Amanda, last one. Oh, God. Just get me one point on the board. Polly Shore, FTW. Oh no, that's such a hard one. <laughs> okay, so that's either, right? It's either Polly Shore for the win or Polly Shore fuck the world. I'm going to say it's, I'm going to take positive and I'm going to say it's five stars. Iron Man, Iron Man does whatever and I can. That is a one star and sadly, oh, no. you, know you what? did not get on the board, Amanda. You know what? Then I call it a perfect score. Then I say <laughs> positivity. I love it. There's there's a certain truth through. If you lose the letterbox game, you you're actually a more sane individual. You're you know? a healthier individual because you don't think like them. I will say I will start studying on this. I will I will never again lose a letterbox game. So I'm going to start honing my skills there. I love it. I love it. Yes. You're gonna be in a padded cell in like a, a couple of months. I'm already in one, <laughs> literally right now. My voiceover <laughs> and a padded cell have so few differences. All right. On that note, let's go into a mid-show, and then we'll talk about some fun things afterwards. Hey, guys. Sorry to interrupt you in the middle of the show, but we've got a sh 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 at you. Today's show is brought to you by the extremely kind donations by our donors over on Patreon.com. What's Patreon, Andrew? Oh, man, Patreon's where you can go if you want to give us a little bit of money, and also you can get some extra content. We have uh, commentary tracks. We, we've we been doing the Rugrats series. I think we have one more to go. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, there's a whole backlog. We got a, mm-hmm. we got a bunch of stuff. I think we did Camp Rock. We did both Camp, Camp Rock, Rock movies. All three High School um, Musical movies. Oh, my goodness. There's, a, there's quite a backlog of excellent, excellent content that just As made well. me sit through. 
We are doing our <laughs> Schmigadoon breakdowns once a week, so check those out. Those are oh, rolling yeah. out. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff over there. And as well, you do have our Patreon meetups that happen. Um, they'll happen a lot more after June when I'm done making my movie. And I, if it doesn't absolutely kill me before then, um, we'll find out together. Um, but our current patrons are Melissa Goldman, Danny, Dan- the fuck? <laughs> Holy fuck. You made it one name and then you fucked it up. Oh my god. <laughs> the worst part is I know you won't cut that out. Uh, <laughs> I don't edit the mid shows. At least not very much. <laughs> Let me try that again. Melissa Goldman, Danielle Rennix, Jessica Sampede, Ewan Cassidy, Monica Thoreau, Brent Black, Nathaniel Stacey Coombe, Joseph Evans Green, Mary Lou Choquette, John Vanals, Russ Walker, Musical Hell, Emily Gracie, Kyle Summers, Janae C. Scoot in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, Liz Lim, Nothing is Certain Except Beth, and Taxes, Thesbian, Raphael martinez Alaz, Jessica T, Mitchell Young, Chai Teacup, Katie McDonough, Chris Marcote, Kiji, Marie Anastasio, Layla, RJ Narija, Charlie B, Bjorn Herman, Toriana Frazier, Sammy the Most Lopez, Lyanna Morton, Kaylee Blazier, Cinemageddon Reviews, Villainous Miss, Sofiana Ali, The Omega Geek, Paige Pearson, Maddie Wargel, Elisa Erdman, Anna Loskatova, Cheska Veray, Sarah Denblecker, Evan Ball, Zachary Torres, Gathering Party Before Venturing Forth, Rora Morasso, Mara Forloin, Captain Rod Taskett, Lisa L, Nobody, Renee Thomas, What Did Boris Say, Puffy Boy, Summer, and Julia Hardy. They all give us a little extra financial support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. As well, if you become one of those, you get the video episodes of our podcast, and you can see Amanda's beautiful face and all her wonderful reactions. And oh my gosh, she's doing backflips? I didn't know you could do that. That is so impressive. My God. Um, You won't be able to prove that she's not doing it until you join our Patreon. How about we get back to the show? In this part of the show, usually we start talking about our uh, the songs in the show. There is only <laughs> one song in this movie, and that is the Phantom of the Mall song performed by the Vandals, written by Joe Escalante and David Quackenbush. Um, and that's a name that certainly is a name and that certainly is a song that drops the R word many times. hard with the r word yeah the 80s were a different time but also what it it's just totally a weird change from the end of the movie to that song for one it just it does not work really it doesn't even really make sense why this even has a theme song so i recently saw the mario movie not to brag um oh did you love it I, i i really enjoyed it and, I did not. and my, my boyfriend is a Nintendo head. So like I was there to support him. Um, I Fair liked enough. it. He, he loved it. And so I was thrilled to see that. But he said they shot or whatever they drew, had the sequences for all of the Bowser stuff with pop songs, like with famous pop songs. And some executive was like, uh-uh, this is not right. You need to write your own music for this. And so I I just... I feel like we could have gotten that, like with the song that Melody and Eric's, that's a real song, right? What is it called? Yeah. Oh, God. I, oh. It's, it's up there with You Are My Rose from The Room. I mean. <laughs> but it's, it is a real song. And they could have taken that song and made it an original song. So then they have, or played the theme song with different words, different lyrics or something. I don't know. It was wild. Different words would be good. Mm-hmm. I mean, any different words, but like they they could have made it a love song. And then in the credits been like, and now we play the fun version. Was it 
when the lights go down or the sensual one? Those are the only ones that it sounds like they could be. When the lights go down or the sensual one? Is that what you said? Yeah. The song they play in the jukebox? Because I just remember... The only thing I remember is the part where he's like sobbing at the like security cameras and it's like, so near and yet so far away! (laughs) Which might be the most cliche song lyrics I've ever heard. (laughs) But also accurate, you know? Yeah, they... That's a mall he is for in the you. mall, and she is also in the mall. It makes you think. It's a really deep think. show. But instead of like properly talking about the songs, quote unquote, in this movie, I would love to talk about the kills because this is a proper slasher movie. Um, and I would kind of like to rank the kills, um, not to not to see if we can be a kill count or anything like that. Um, we don't do that on this show, but. You know, just like, which ones were you most intrigued by? And what were your favorites? So, Andrew, why don't you start us? What was your favorite kill? What And the least favorite kill of yours? Um, So, I think, as a slasher movie, most of these kills are, are kind of low low tier. They're not great. But there's, some, there's like two standouts, I think. Which is the, the snake in the toilet that yeah. bites the guy's dick. Um... Although I guess we don't see that, but I mean, come on, he the snake bit the guy's dick. I mean, come yeah, on, yeah, the letterbox review happened. told yeah, me. Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. We all agree that is that is what happened. Um, uh, no, I I would pick that just because it's so funny, but I feel like in the context of the movie, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Why does Eric have a snake? <laughs> it, like, w- and what not does that just have a regular snake, anything? a cobra. Like he didn't yeah, get like, that from the pet store. <laughs> like. It doesn't make any fucking sense. So I think my personal favorite, and I, I don't think they executed it as well as they could have, and there should have been like a more like gory ending to it, but I, I like the guy that gets pulled into the escalator. Because it has to do with like the mall. Um it's it's interesting. I guess it has to do with the source material. I didn't actually know that, but that's that's nice, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um I, but I like that concept. I just I wanted to see like his neck get like totally like fucked up and broken as it like pulls the rope in, but they just, they kind of cut away. Um, so I'm going to go with that as my favorite. And then my least favorite, I mean, I think the opening kill is just garbage. I mean, he just stabs him and that's it. And we, like, we barely even see anything. Like this is the opening kill. Like this is supposed to be the best, your best one to like pull us in. It's just, just trash. <laughs> you say so. I mean, those are perfectly valid answers. Um, Amanda, what about you? Um, so I just wanted to say I agree about the escalator. I wanted to see his face get all mashed into the escalator, and I think they just didn't have the budge. Um, so that's... But in terms of my favorite kill, the one that absolutely w- made me say, actually, I do like this movie, and I do think it's fun, is when the Phantom Eric takes the mayor... WWE style and has her over his head and then he hurls her through a window smashing glass everywhere and her body like foop 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 foops through the air and lands in the middle of the mall that's my favorite with kill the, and almost like a the, chandelier the moment mall thing through it yes yes oh my god she's impaled yeah I loved um, it that was my favorite that one is really good I was I was considering mentioning that but I just I thought the ex the escalator one stood out more to me but that one's really great i really love how they they finish it um i liked the escalator one too there for me there were no bad kills because i did think the way they set up the initial kill it was a little lame but i also was like 
oh, it's going to be so scary, this movie, because it's all going to be in the dark and just like slashes <laughs> and people like people like walking through and then being murdered out of nowhere. And then immediately they're like, no, 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 no. There won't be any suspense. Don't worry about that. So, don't so worry I, about that at all. Yeah, please. D- don't be concerned there. I, we're not I, making so, a real movie, guys. No, we we don't take this seriously, and God, we hope you're not going to take it seriously. Um, I don't. So I don't have a least favorite, but I, so I guess I'd like to just add an honorable mention favorite, which is when Earring Guy and Eric are trying to kill each other under like a some kind of loading dock, but it's like a tiny door that only a person could fit through. And Eric is strong enough to hold it up. But this guy who has murdered hundreds of people, he's a hitman in this town that is full of crime. He can't do it. He can't do it. And he gets decapitated. And I I think it's supposed to be like a compactor, like um, like the, you put like cardboard boxes and stuff in there and they compact it. I think it was a garbage one, though. So, like, I, I think that's what it was. Thank you. That actually is going to help me sleep tonight to know that because I was like, what is this door? But that makes a lot of sense. And I liked that his head got popped off. I am very disappointed that none of you are pointing out what is my favorite kill. Not not hadn't even made either of your lists. Is it the electrocution one? No, it is not the electrocution one. It is when he finally gets his comeuppance on the big real estate tycoon. And he's like, oh, don't do this to me. I'll eat my words. And then he just picks up a flamethrower, says, eat this. (laughs) And then they set him on fire. And it's very obvious that the guy that the stuntman that is being set on fire is just wearing like a Richard Nixon mask (laughs) to be a face. Okay, well, we didn't pick that one because it sucks, but I mean, if that's your favorite one. <laughs> oh, 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 are you really going to look at this right now and tell me that this isn't wonderful? <laughs> okay, but like just shit. imagine if there was a song. <laughs> and he falls on propane. He falls and like rolls around on propane for no reason. My but fa- like, like, and did you see that the windows blew out before it exploded? Yes, perfect. Well, that was, that's because the explode, it was like a shock wave. I'm just saying, I I was dying laughing so much that I couldn't breathe, and I'm sad that no one brought that one up. Okay, but imagine I- on top of that, you hear Eric's rich baritone, and now you burn as you burned me, and this would be a perfect movie. You alone can make my song take flight. Eat this. I think you want the uh, the the Robert England uh, one. That Have you made. ever seen that one, Amanda? No, I would like to see it now, though. Oh, that movie fucks. That movie's great. <laughs> I think we 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 would be doing it for this like month, but we already kind of covered it. We covered mm-hmm. it on Patreon. We did a commentary of it. But Robert England is actually very good in the role. They do a thing where he like like carves people's skin off and wears it as a mask, so he has like <laughs> a skin mask. Um, which is a different take. Um, and he also like, since he thinks he's so ugly, like has sex with prostitutes and respects them and pays them well. And that, I don't know why, but he he respects sex workers. And isn't that true to the Gaston Leroux? I think that that is part of the original Phantom. If I'm not making I don't that up, remember that because. The original Phantom book plays like a murder mystery because they're like, oh, is it a ghost? And the, the twist is, no, it's just a guy with a weird face. But his mother, <laughs> his mother was a sex worker. No, his mother was just kind of a bitch. Um, and what? that's coming from the that's coming from the Susan K book, the Susan oh. K book. Um, so I can talk. So in the Susan Why K book. Why do you book, know all this? Because I'm stupid, <laughs> um, Andrew. I wasted time. my youth. No. Um, <laughs> Don't say that. I because then I'll have to think about my youth. <laughs> so the Susan K book is fucking wild, but the way that they set it up is that the Phantom's voice um is so erotic that people get off to it. But like when you're dealing with the Christine side of it, that's fine. But they do it when he's like baby and his mom. So every time the baby cries or tries to sing, she gets horny. And I'm like, what am I reading? What am I reading? I don't. That's, that's fucked. That's that's I don't, fucked. I don't like, and I'm from the South, and I think that's too far. Yeah, see, that's fucked. That's you, you don't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some wild choices in that Susan K book. I don't agree with most of it. It's kind of stupid. I don't think there's ever been a properly good adaptation of Phantom of the Opera, to be honest. 
maybe the Phantom of the Paradise. You haven't seen Phantom of the Country Opera. You're right. I haven't seen Phantom of the Opera either. <laughs> True. It seems like none of the none of the Phantom of the Opera adaptations want to do the mystery element ever. No. So I do have a. I actually do have a pitch for a Phantom of the Opera film. I'd love to make. Um, if this film I'm making right now does okay and doesn't turn me off of it forever, I do have one where I'm like, I can fix all the things that I think people would have an issue with now. I think just make it just make it the mystery. Like even if everyone already knows, it's still gonna be good. It, like well, that's the same problem with adapting Jekyll and Hyde because the mystery is like, who are these two dudes? And it's like, oh no, they're the same dude. But I feel we all like you know just that do it, the same though. dude. I feel like yeah. you just do it, and like, who cares? Like, I don't know. People watch movies where they know the twist, and they're still good. Like, <laughs> I mean, this movie did have a twist that we found out the mayor is an investor in the mall. Like, yeah. the, a secret investor in the mall and this promising city council to this mall guy. I, like, I'd like to see a movie about the local politics of Midwood. Yeah, but that would require us to see anything about Midwood outside of the mall. <laughs> the mall. We, we never do. So. <laughs> we see Eric's house. It gets burned down. <laughs> we, we see Eric's it's, it's house. It's on the same site, too. for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, that, that is technically the mall before the mall. So does it count? Um, also, Melody calls the mayor Karen, which I feel is a little disrespectful. That's just a note that I had. Like, she's the mayor. You can call her, like, Mrs. whatever her last name is. Like, I'm not calling... Is Eric Garcetti the mayor of L.A.? I should know that. But I'm not calling him Eric, you know? But on that note, what is our overall thoughts on the Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge, and our cheese ratings? Andrew, why don't you start us off? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I didn't, like hate this i i feel like there's a lot of things that make it a little bit boring to watch but then there's some pretty fun kills it's one of those like b horror movies that are just like maybe if you get a group of friends and you get drunk and watch it it's like fun but if you watch it by yourself in your room and you're not drunk and you're depressed and you know it's sad it's like sad that you did that (laughs) uh I had a lot of fun talking about it, sincerely. I really did enjoy talking about it this episode. I think talking about it was almost more fun than actually watching it. Yes. Um, that said, though, I don't think it was, like, horrendous. Uh, and I think if you like slashers, it's uh, something you could, could watch for some for some fun. I'm going to give it uh, Auntie Anne's Cheese Dip, because every time I go to the mall, I always think of Auntie Anne's, because I don't know if they even have those outside of malls. To be honest, you know the pretzel place. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna give it their their cheese dip. I think that's a the level of quality and also the mall tie-in. I think it's it would all it all kind of works. <laughs> that's fair. All right, Amanda. What is your overall thoughts and your cheese rating? <laughs> okay, so I I got more and more into this movie as I watched it, which <laughs> is. Sometimes you fall off, you know, sometimes you're like, I can't stick with this. And I was fully engrossed by the end, fully bought in. I didn't think it made any sense, but that didn't bother me one single bit. I require there to be kissing in most movies and there was kissing and it did go too far, but that's at least there was kissing. So I am going to Wait, 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 wait. Can I please sidebar for a quick second? Please. Why do you like kissing in movies? I love kissing in movies. Why though? Oh, um... Because, like, romance is the most interesting thing to me in a, like, in a, in a story. I always want to see the love story. I always want to see kissing. I like to see affection. I think we are too quick in our society to show violence on TV and very slow to show, like, loving gestures. So I like it. Okay, before you move on, best kiss in a movie. Oh, my God. This is a great question. Um, I mean... Of course, the notebook, um, the kiss when they do the kiss in the um, and they're running in the rain. Yeah, in the rain, I like that one a lot. Let me see. Have I seen like a really fun kiss recently? Hmm. Wow. Now I feel like I'm immediately betraying my kiss insistence. Um, I like kiss it when assistance. best kiss in the Mario movie. Best kiss in the Mario <laughs> movie. It- impossible to rank there were so many kisses um <laughs> there were uh, mario and luigi mario and luigi Tongue? i did like seeing those brothers kiss that was good that Their was mustaches really mustaches got entangled yeah that's and that's nice because their grandma's it was like, a little too sloppy mia. for my taste but 
<laughs> um, I like uh, I like in Shrek when Shrek and Fiona kiss. I don't oh, know. That is I a like good one. I like any I like any kiss. And usually after I see a kiss, I turn to the person I'm with and I go, "Now it's a good movie. I've seen a kiss." Okay, it's very so, annoying to see a movie with me. <laughs> you want to know? <laughs> my favorite romance film of all time is the Pride and Prejudice film, and I love it because they never kiss. <laughs> So you don't like seeing kissies? I don't. Um, I Why? had to shoot like one. I had to shoot one makeout scene in a film, and it kind of turned me off of ever doing one in a movie ever again. Because you saw how the sausage got made. Yeah. What went what, wrong? Um, asking for take six, and then you got to tell them what they're doing wrong, and you just feel like, oh, I'm a pervert. <laughs> I don't like this. I so I would rate this. You know, when you are you're out and about for the day and you're like, I'm so hungry. Oh, my gosh. What am I going to eat? And then you're like, oh, yeah, I have a string cheese in my purse. And it's like, yeah, is that the it does a purse string cheese the number one thing you wanted to eat in that moment? No. But does it absolutely serve its purpose? You know what it is going to be like going in like you're not like, oh, what a what a twist and turn of this string cheese. Like it I satisfied what I went into the movie expecting. And it it didn't take me too long to finish. Fair enough. I think that's a really good rating. Um, I enjoyed this. Um, I think I enjoyed talking about it a lot more than um watching it. I've had a lot of fun talking about this though, and I love horror films and all that. And I don't know, it was just kind of my 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 shit. I I, I miss watching horror movies, and I loved having an excuse to do so. And I'm excited for Phantom May, but part of April to continue to talk about these kind of films. Um. But the only cheese rating I can give this is, you know, like a communal cheese ball, which is how I describe a mall in general. We all just go there, take a little bit out, and somehow, eventually, it'll not exist, we can hope. If not, we'll just throw it in the trash. (laughs) But Amanda, you have something pretty big going on right now. I think you should promote it a little bit. Oh my gosh, I will promote it. Thank you so much. So I wrote a movie called Dumb Rich Sluts. Uh, It's a Dude, where's my car for girls or Romy and Michelle for brunettes? And it is a short film. It's a comedy starring women, uh, directed by women, written by me, a woman. And we're fundraising right now on Seed and Spark. So if you go to Seed and Spark and look for Dumb Rich Sluts, you can find us. You can find our pitch video and our teaser and all kinds of fun information about us. And Uh, We are shooting this movie in a week and a half. So we're fundraising and then immediately going into shooting. It's wild. (laughs) And if you're watching this, um, you'll be taking funding even after the eight days are up, correct? Oh, gosh. Listen, get at me. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Amanda Hunt and Kiss. So you can find all my little thoughts and any way to reach out to me. And I've really respected you for a long time. Amanda, I really sincerely have, and you've you funded helped fund my film when we were going through it. Um, I really did appreciate that, and I've never forgotten that. So I'm grateful for you. And if you don't go and support Amanda's film, we can't be friends anymore. You hear that? No. You really gonna risk our friendship on this? I wouldn't. This is your great friend. Guess you got to go and support, don't you? Don't you? Uh, speaking of people they need to support, you know who also supports a lot? Our patrons? Yeah, that's right. Thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, at Musicals with Cheese. We're on Twitter at Cheesy Musicals. Patreon Musicals with Cheese. Instagram Musicals with Cheese. YouTube page Musicals with Cheese. Patreon-only podcast, Patreon with Cheese. Email us at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. Our keeper of the cheese is Juliet Antonio. Amanda, why don't you do some ASMR into the microphone as a little gift to Juliet. They write ASMR scripts, so I try to do throw a little at them. Right? A 10 out of 10. No yes. notes. This Great, is what your you. cat hears when you talk to them and you go, pss, 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 pss. <laughs> I do have two cats who are probably waiting right outside this closet door. Hey, she's whispering <laughs> at me. What's I hear the rain on the roof. <laughs> yeah, they're like, why is she using her R voice to talk to someone else? Like, that's what we <laughs> use, we have. <laughs> our show is edited by Andrew DeWolf thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on the platform and for not kicking us off for you know 
the Phantom of the Mall. You know, we're, we're <laughs> stretching. All right. We will see you next time on Musicals with Cheese. Bye-bye. <laughs>